You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Nolan is standing by. Hey, Wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome. To another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. For those of you who have been following me on social media recently, over the last couple of weeks specifically, you will know that this past weekend, I smoked a brisket in my smoker. And it was a source of great consternation for me. Brisket is notoriously difficult to smoke correctly. It has created very sad barbecue enthusiasts since its inception. And I am a fairly novice meat smoking kind of guy. I'm a newbie. I'm a noob when it comes to it. I just started doing it in 2023. This was my first ever brisket. And I noted a couple weeks ago that I was already freaking out about it. And the reason that I was freaking out about the brisket in particular is because there's certain factors that go into a brisket that impact the way that it comes out that has really nothing to do with what you did. The humidity in the air matters. The specific size and thickness of the meat in different locations, which Usually you have no control over unless you're actually cutting it off of the cow yourself. You're at the mercy of eyeballing the cut that your butcher might give you. These little things change the way that it comes out. I had a specific recipe. I had a specific process. I followed it to the letter. And it was supposed to be on the smoker for 10 hours at 225. That's what the smoker said it was going to be. 10 hours, 225. I said, okay, I will wait for it to stall. The stall is the area of the heating process where you have moisture that comes off of the meat that actually cools it and counteracts the fact that the meat is rising in temperature. Usually you'll have a stall between 160 and 175 degrees of internal temperature and it'll just sit there. Could be minutes could be hours, but it won't rise in temperature. So I said, okay, well, when it gets to that area, I'll take it off, I'll wrap it in foil to increase the humidity around it, help you break through the stall, and then I'll be good to go. 
but it reached its stall point much faster than I thought it was going to. The humidity in the air was probably increasing that. I may have had it a smidge too close to the specific heat source. Maybe it was just a really, really well cut piece of meat. I was talking to my uncle, who's a big competitive smoke guy. And he was like, you know, hey, sometimes that better butcher cut heats up a little faster, which again has nothing to do with me. Factor outside my control. I take it off. I wrap it. I put it there. I say, okay, I'm going to get up at 4 a.m. And I'll be ready to go. I'll monitor it at that point. It should be, you know, 180, 185 degrees by then. And I'll just see it through until it gets to 202 where I want it. I wake up at 4 a.m. I get out of bed. I try desperately not to wake my wife. I step over the mountains of dogs in my room. I head on out. The internal temperature of the brisket is 203 degrees already. It's only been on for eight hours. This is going much faster than it should have. 20% faster, specifically. So now I'm freaking out. It got there faster than I wanted it to get there. What do I do? I said, you know what? I'm trusting my tools. It says it's 203. It's 203. Doesn't matter how fast it got there. Pulled it off. Wrapped it again. Covered it in towels. Put it in the cooler. Let it rest. You're only supposed to let it rest for, you know, two to four hours or something like that based on the recipe I was using. But we weren't going to eat until like 11 a.m., So it was going to rest for six and a half hours, maybe 645. All because something happened. All of my inputs were exactly right. You guys know me. I'm a very precise person. When it says one and a half cups, I mean exactly one and a half cups of something. I'm a very precise person. But no matter how precise the input was, sometimes the output is based on things that are beyond your control. In this case, it was a particularly humid day. That changed things. The size of the smoker relative to the size of the meat, which is not accounted for in the recipe, matters. The cut matters. Exactly how much fat is on it matters. And you can trim it all you want and you can do all the stuff you need to do and the inputs can be identical the next time I do it and the output could still be different because it's based on factors beyond my control. I almost feel like smoking meat was put in my life to teach me that lesson because I don't like that difference. I don't like the difference between my inputs and the outputs that I get. I don't like it. I am a precise person If I do A, B, and C, I want D, E, and F to come out every single time. But that's not the way life works. It's certainly not the way smoking meat works. And I think that it was put in my life as a test and as an object lesson for me to learn that because it would be good for me to learn that. I would be a better person if I learned that. People ask me sometimes how I come up with the ideas for these pods. Life speaks to me sometimes. It gives me lessons. Hey, Bruce, you need to learn this. And then I'm like, crap, fine. I'll try and learn and be a better person. And then I'll talk about it. Because I'm talking about things that I'm learning. Things that I'm experiencing. 
kind of feels like the Buffalo Bills, doesn't it? The inputs could be the same. The outputs can be different. We talk a lot about luck on this podcast and how it's a part of football that we don't really like talking about, but we should. There is a certain percentage of the outcome of every game that is luck-based. And we don't like it because we want someone to blame. We can't blame it if it's luck. And I've mentioned this before, but I'll share it again. The fact that we can say the phrase, any given Sunday, any given Sunday, Bruce, and then simultaneously say luck doesn't have an effect on football is dumb. If luck didn't have an effect on football, the better team would win every single time. One of the things that can contribute to a lesser team beating a better team, which happens all the time, is luck. It's an oblong ball. It's almost like it's designed specifically to show us that luck is a thing. Because it's not even a perfectly round ball. It's an oblong ball. It bounces all sorts of weird directions when you drop it. Did you ever do the ball drop drill when you played football in high school or middle school? They drop the ball, it bounces all over the place. That's an example. It bounces weird. But I was doing some research for a Buffalo Rumblings article not too long ago. And I was going through some of the injuries that had popped up with the Buffalo Bills when it comes to 2022. And I'd like to share some stuff with you because I thought it was amusing when I did it. And I thought, all right. And so I called this episode the Hurt Locker Room. The Hurt Locker Room. And you might think, because it says locker room there, that I'm going to dabble in the Josh Allen talking about the dig situation on Bussin' with the Boys, the podcast. But I'm not going to, because I said I wasn't going to before. I said, I'm done talking about that until there's more news. And there's not more news. I'm done. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to feed off drama so I can get some downloads. Instead, we're going to talk about smoking meat and injuries, because that's more fun. I like it. But I'll give you some example of Buffalo Bills injury luck from 2022. The Bills starters who did not have an injury designation, questionable, out, doubtful, injury reserve, at any point in 2022. Roger Saffold, Stephon Diggs, that's it. That's the end of the entire list. Those are the only Bills starters who at no point were banged up. The Bills starting defensive line, week one, 2022, Von Miller, Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, Gregory Rousseau. Every single one of them would suffer a lower body injury that would cause them to miss time that season. Every single one of them. They didn't have a single healthy starting defensive lineman throughout the entire year, wire to wire. Nobody. In fact, the Bills' injury luck last year was so weird that I occasionally forget that Dane Jackson was taken off the field in an ambulance on Monday Night Football against the Titans. Did you forget? Admit it. Be honest with yourself. Because of everything else that happened. Everything. Before we were all praying for DeMar Hamlin, we were praying for Dane Jackson who was taken off the field in an ambulance due to a neck injury. We were like, is he ever going to play again? He missed one week. But it felt like so long ago, we didn't even remember it. I occasionally still forget it. 
I only ran into it because I was doing some stuff for articles and I was like, oh my gosh, there's a fun story. I'm being sarcastic, obviously. Now, if you look at injuries through a specific lens, it doesn't look that bad. The Bills had the fourth fewest man games lost to injury because their backups stayed very healthy. If you utilize man games lost due to injury as your metric, then losing Micah Hyde for 17 games counts identically to the Panthers losing Matt Corral, the third string quarterback, for 17 games. There's an account on Twitter, Man Games Lost NFL, that does this. And Buffalo was top four in fewest man games lost. But when calculating the quality of the injured players, the only playoff team who was more impacted by injury when accounting for quality players lost than the Bills was San Francisco. And it's because they lost their first string and their second string quarterback, which really blew up the numbers. But every other playoff team had better quality of injury luck. It wasn't just that the Bills lost a lot of players. It was who they lost and when. They lost all pros, not role players. And it was weird. Now, it's important to note that the Bills have had really significantly positive injury luck the last couple of years. And so a lot of this is just regression to the mean. We cannot simultaneously say, well, the Bills had great injury luck because of their wonderful training facilities, which is great. Those are awesome. But they're really much more about handling and managing injuries than they are about preventing them. The analytics side can help you prevent it because they can deal with workload for players. And when you don't overwork the muscle, you don't have to worry about as much. A lot of soft tissue stuff comes from overworking the muscle. Tell that to my back. Over the weekend, I did a lot of things. I wasn't paying attention. I was being an idiot. I was not paying attention to the amount of work I had done where I had been lifting heavy things. And then on Sunday night, I was lifting a box over the lip of my front porch and my back went out. And then I was laying there on the ground thinking to myself, how did this happen? It's because I had done stuff the entire weekend long including lifting the smoker up and carrying it through the house and putting it on the back porch. All the things like that. I overworked it, so then it went out. So analytics can help you prevent it, but the training stuff can help you measure it. And that's awesome. All that stuff's awesome, but they were due for a regression when it comes to Buffalo Bills and injuries. Well, they saw it in 2022. Yeah, it wasn't a lot of man games lost to injury, but it was some quality players that were lost due to injury. We spent some meaningful time talking about Ed Oliver and his specific high ankle sprain and how that stuff can linger. We had that for multiple players. It wasn't just him. Gabe Davis, early high ankle sprain, was dealing with it for a meaningful part. These are starters, meaningful contributors. They're not special teamers who go down and you got to use a gunner you weren't familiar with. The Bills lost meaningful players. And it's really, really important that we add this one caveat. Just because they played 
doesn't mean they weren't impacted. We talk a lot about how many games people missed because it's the easy way to quantify an injury. But just because you played doesn't mean you were not hindered. We talked about this with Ed Oliver, that the first couple games after he came back wasn't super effective. And then all of a sudden it kind of started to ramp up. He started to play more snaps. The team clearly knew that he was ready for a bigger workload and took him on because even though he was playing, that doesn't mean he's healthy. Well, Bruce, everybody's banged up at certain times of year. Yes, but there are degrees of banged up. The Bills had pretty below average injury luck overall in 2022. I outlined a few of the ways that that happened. But we keep using that term, injury luck, because some of it's luck. Who you have available to you at certain times of the year when you're playing certain teams like, I don't know, the playoffs. Playoffs. Those things matter. And they're mostly luck. Now, you can manage injuries and that can help. Giving your team a specific amount of rest, giving a player a specific amount of rest at a specific time to make sure you can allocate them better elsewhere. That matters. But whether they initially get hurt or not is very much a luck-based thing. All of your inputs can be the same and you can end up with different outputs based on factors that are completely beyond your control. Whether or not this guy turns his ankle is 99% out of your control. He could have just stepped on a foot. Just the way it is. Just stepped on a foot. It happened with Saquon Barkley not too long ago. On his way back, on his way back. Yeah, all right, let's go. Stepped on a foot, twists his ankle. It's got nothing to do with anything aside from the fact that it's just bad luck. But we don't want to talk about that. Every time all of our inputs are the same, we want the output to be identical. And it's not going to be. It's just like smoking meat. We just need to accept. And just like smoking meat was put in my life so I can learn this lesson, maybe this pot is put in your life so you can learn that lesson. You can do everything right and still have it turn out wrong. Or you can do everything perfectly and have it not turn out perfectly. It could just turn out okay. Because luck's always going to be a factor. We don't want to talk about it because it doesn't give us a finger to point someone at. We'll get a finger all right. But it's probably not the one we want. Sometimes it's just luck. Sometimes all the inputs are perfect. And the output is not. We are going to take a quick break. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Mom deserves the best. And there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. I want to touch on one thing, specifically as it relates to a metric that I saw recently, a graph. It was from at throw the damn ball, D-A-M ball. And it was a couple graphs on how often quarterbacks throw to open receivers and their accuracy on those throws. The one axis was a percentage of your throws that happened to open receivers. And the other axis was the percentage of accurate throws to those open receivers. And there were a lot of people drawing a lot of conclusions from that. But I want to give you a, a little word of warning when you are interpreting metrics. I talk about this all the time when we talk about QB stew, but I'm glad we have a chance to talk about it now with something that's not QB stew related. And it's this. Be careful that you're not assigning your own interpretations to these charts. Patrick Mahomes has a very high percentage of throws to open receivers. And everyone's jumping all over it going, this is an Andy Reid stat. Look how easy Patrick Mahomes has it. There are two ways to interpret this. Patrick Mahomes throws a lot of his passes to open receivers because Andy Reid schemes them up and makes everything easy for him. Or Patrick Mahomes is really good at identifying where there will be an open receiver. And Patrick Mahomes frequently does not throw the ball into situations where he shouldn't. He throws it to open players instead of not open players. Or Patrick Mahomes is really good at manipulating coverages with his eyes so he can create bigger windows, thus creating more open receivers. All of these things factor into what percentage of his passes are to open receivers. Every single one of them that I just said is a factor that leads to an open receiver. But if you're already of the opinion that Mahomes is horribly overrated and is really a product of Andy Reid, then you're only going to think about one of the things that contributes to it. Because you were biased from the beginning. You already thought Patrick Mahomes had it easy because he's playing with Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey one of the best offensive minds in football, which is true. But you were already ready to go. The second you saw this, you went, bam, got it. We call that confirmation bias. You weren't willing to think about all the other things that go into this statistic. This one axis was percentage of throws to open receivers. All you needed was to see Patrick Mahomes high on that list and go, aha, I got him. This is exactly what I've been saying the whole time. Mahomes is overrated. Because the only thing that you thought of was Andy Reid. You didn't think about any of the other factors we talked about. You didn't think about decision making. You didn't think about manipulation. You didn't think about any of that stuff. You just thought about Andy Reid. And Andy Reid is a factor in that. Creating open players is a good thing. Offensive coordinators should be striving for it. Anyone who plays... Football will tell you that throwing to open receivers is better. And I think that's pretty obvious. But we talk about contributing factors a lot on this podcast. 
offensive coordinator is not the only contributing factor. Scheme is not the only contributing factor to what percentage of throws you made to open receivers. Would you like to know why else that's probably a factor? Mac Jones was fourth on this list. Mac Jones, who played with an abysmal offensive coordinator last year. He only had two years. So half of his sample size is with an absolutely abysmal offensive mind. So we're willing to do it with Patrick Mahomes, the guy in second place on the list. But we're not willing to do it with Mac Jones, the guy who's fourth place on the list. Why? Because we have confirmation bias. We walked into this conversation already thinking that Patrick Mahomes is overrated and that it's really a product of Andy Reid. It's intellectually dishonest. Let's not do it. This is a great opportunity for us to be intellectually honest. All the same factors that go into Patrick Mahomes being second on the list also go into Mac Jones being fourth on the list. Now, each one of those things has its own plurality pie, and we can talk about that. But guess who was sixth on the list? Kyler Murray. Did anybody think Cliff Kingsbury was an offensive genius? Anybody at all? No. Kyler was just throwing a lot of screens. A lot of smoke screens in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. So that changes things. You see what I mean? There's tons of different factors that go into this. So when we see metrics like this, let's keep an open mind. Let's think about all the things that go into that metric. It's one of the reasons why it's so important. When I was doing QB Stew, I had to learn and learn and learn and learn the metrics. Had to learn them. Because I had to know what each metric meant on a fundamental level so I could tell the story based on the way that each of the metrics looked. Got to be intellectually honest. I know this is a little hodgepodge of a pod, and there's a reason for that. I'll get to it later. Maybe I'll tell you later. I don't know. Maybe I won't. I'm cagey like that. And if you don't like it, well... That's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings.